Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd invite you to join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And if you're able to this morning, I'd invite you to stand as we read God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light. But the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The Word became flesh and made His home among us. We have seen His glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him, crying out, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than me, because He existed before me. From His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made God known. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Did anybody else notice the wind last night? You know, I got up this morning and opened the curtains in the front, and I noticed there was a garbage can in the road in front of my driveway. And I knew it wasn't my garbage can because I'd put mine in the garage last night. And so when I went out to, to move this so we could leave this morning, I, I realized it wasn't my neighbor's garbage can either. So I really don't know where it came from. It came from somewhere. It was, a, it was a windy night last night. Whenever we have nights like that, especially this time of year, my mind actually goes back several years ago. I think it was seven years ago, just a few days before Christmas. We were living in Michigan at the time. It was one of those days when there was quite a bit of snow on the ground, but, but then the temperature raised up into the mid-30s and it started to rain. And it rained all day and most of the snow melted. But, but by late afternoon, those temperatures that were above freezing had dipped to below freezing, but the rain kept coming. You know where I'm going with this story, don't you? That night, we heard the sound of large branches breaking and hitting the roof of the house and falling to the ground. That night, we lost power, as did many people in mid-Michigan. Many people were without power not only for days, a lot of people were even without power for weeks. It was a cold, dark time of year to be without power. You know, it's weird how we take light for granted until it's not there anymore, don't we? It's strange to even be in a familiar place when it is so dark. In the dark, what is familiar in the light becomes unfamiliar. 
I remember one night I got up after it was dark and and I tried to open my eyes wider, thinking that would like make things better. It didn't help at all. I remember walking through my house with my flashlight, and since there was no light from outside coming in, it was just dark, and it seemed like the darkness was almost absorbing the light from my flashlight. You ever experienced something like that? It was just that dark. It's a weird way to live because we're used to so much light. You know, it's no wonder that, that our experiences with, with physical darkness have become part of the language that we use to talk about other experiences in life. You know, when we go through things like, like the death of a loved one, or through periods of, of depression or fear, we can refer to those times of life as dark seasons in life, dark days that that we had to endure. For many people, looking back on this last year that is finally over, many people would say 2020 was just a dark year. There were so many things about 2020 that were just unsettling and, and unsure. There was, there was the big thing, there was COVID that, that still isn't over even though the new year has begun. And COVID has brought about uncertainty and confusion and fear, and it's changed a lot of what is normal in life. But that wasn't the only challenge of, of 2020. There, there were challenges of, of racial issues and so much being said that was so confusing for so many people to even know what was what and, and how should we respond. And then 2020 was, was an election year, which the division of politics and the polarization and all of that. There were just so many things this last year that, that I think a lot of people would even say 2020 was just a dark year. You know, some of those feelings of darkness, those, those feelings of uncertainty, those, those feelings of confusion, that sense of, of what we have known is no longer there and how do we go on? While the particulars might have been different, some of those, those feelings, those realities were, were similar to what would have been happening at the time of John's gospel. The particulars were different, but the feelings were the same. Most people today believe that John's gospel was written at the very end of the first century. But most people also believe that before it was actually written down, that these stories from John's gospel were told time and time again to, to the church community, to this body of believers that were going through some unusual times. You know, after, after Jesus ascended back into heaven in those, those early years, the first decades after Jesus returned to heaven, the, the, the church found itself asking some questions, saying, well, you know, he said he's coming back again. When, when is he coming back again? He said he's coming back again, and we thought it would be any time now, so what do we do? Do we, just, do we just sit and wait? And if the years pass by, like, does that change how we respond? Like, what do we do? Isn't, isn't he coming back sometime soon? Well, as those years kind of went on, and, and the early church found itself in, in the middle of the first century, at least for those who, who lived in the area of Jerusalem, they, they found themselves in, in what's known today as the Jewish-Roman War. It was a war that would last seven years, and there was a lot of particulars that happened through that war. But, but at the end of the war, this is what happened. The walls of Jerusalem were breached. 
the armies came in, they destroyed the temple. The temple that had been rebuilt after the exile was, was now destroyed. Many people were, were killed and many others were scattered. The Jewish people ended up being scattered all over to, to other places. They, they were separated from one another. And, and during this time, many of them also began to be persecuted for their faith. Sometimes we hear that word persecution thrown around. But the persecution that the church faced then, many people would, would lose their, their livelihoods or their homes or their lives simply because of their faith. And if, if you weren't going through that, you probably knew somebody else who was. It was a common thing in the early church. Not to mention that the early church had, had still been a part of, of the synagogue worship. The early church was primarily Jews, and, but, but as time went on, those early Christians found themselves kicked out of the synagogue. They were no longer welcome there. They, they couldn't worship in those places and at the same time, many Gentiles started becoming Christians. Now, I realize some of you think I'm just giving a history lesson today. And Christmas break isn't over till tomorrow. So why the history lesson? In all of that, I want you to hear this. Just imagine how much changed in less than a lifetime. In less than a lifetime, people's country no longer existed. In less than a lifetime, the temple, the place that was, was significant of God's dwelling place on earth, it was destroyed, it was gone, no longer left standing. In less than, than a lifetime, these believers found themselves persecuted commonly. In less than a lifetime, the place where they went to worship with their friends and with people they knew, they were no longer welcome in that place anymore. In less than a lifetime, this people that they had always thought were outside of the covenant, all of a sudden these people were coming into the faith. It left a lot of the early church confused, unsure. Much of what they had known was no more. You know, it can be really hard to maintain your faith or belief when everything that you once could count on has been changed. So you understand what I'm saying here? You know, it was in this kind of a context where, where John was communicating these words. John was, was communicating who Christ is and what this means for us. John was encouraging his listeners then and also us today that we could be, remain committed to this faith because our faith is in Jesus Christ. No matter how crazy the world around might come to seem, Jesus Christ can be trusted, and we can keep our faith on Him even when it seems like the world is falling apart. And that's what John was trying to tell people then, and that's what John is trying to tell us today. You know, any of you, how many of you like to watch movies? Some of you like to watch movies? Some of you aren't sure if you should admit that in church or not. Um, if you don't like to watch movies, maybe you like to read books, right? Sometimes when you when you start a book or when you start a movie, the opening scene is different from everything else. Sometimes you see a, a tragic event take place, or sometimes you just see a, something that was significant, and, and, then, and then sometimes there's those words that appear on the screen. Five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, 
right? The, the opening scene is, is different from, from much of the rest of the story. But it's some of that backstory that kind of introduces the, the key themes or those transformational events that are going to be worked out in the rest of the story or the rest of the film. You understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes we refer to that as a prologue. It's kind of this, it's a separate story, but it's also a separate story that can't fully be understood until it's taken into context with the rest of the story. A lot of times prologues don't really make sense until we get to the end, and then in fact we could go back and watch it again and pick out all of these new things that we missed before. In many ways, that's what is happening in John's gospel in these verses that we read just a few minutes ago. This is a prologue to John's gospel. There, there's so much that is happening here. It, it, tells this, it tells us so much about who Jesus is, but, but much of what John tells us in these first 18 verses can't really be understood until we work our way through the rest of the gospel. And even then, every time we come back and we reread these verses, we begin to see things coming out for the first time all over again. You know, as, as this begin. As this begin, John, John tells us that in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. You know, and if, if you've been in the church any length of time, you realize that, that this is a way that, that John is, is talking to us about Jesus. But he uses this phrase, in the beginning was the Word. The, the, the Greek for that is, is logos. Some of you might not know any other words in Greek, but you've heard that before. You, you realize it's talking about the law. In the beginning was the logos, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, that, that Greek word logos had, had several different sorts of, of understandings for people. You know, in, in popular culture at the time, logos was the thing that gave order or meaning or structure to society. You know, today we wouldn't say that, that logos gives order or meaning or structure to the world in which we live. But there are some folks who, who today would say that, that, that science is, is what gives order and what gives meaning and what gives structure to the world. There's other people today who would say, you know what, the things that give meaning to life is whatever I choose. Whatever matters to me, whatever I feel like is important, that's, what, that's what's really true or that's what gives meaning to life. Those are some of the kinds of things that, that people in the world today might, might say gives order or meaning or significance to life. But, but in, the, in the time when John wrote this down, logos was that thing for many people. It was, it was what created order in a chaotic world. But John is also drawing from these other images here. And in the Old Testament, it was the, the logos was, was associated with, with wisdom. It, it was wisdom, not, not wisdom in, in an intellectual sense, but, but it was the word was, was what helped people to live well. It's what the good life was. A life lived well was, was a life lived according to the word. The other thing we see about the Word in the Old Testament is, is the Word is, is what comes from God to the people, often through the prophets. Well, in John's Gospel, is, as John says, in the beginning was the Word. John's drawing from all of this. John is telling us in, in very plain ways that, that the things that bring order to the world, 
what it is that gives meaning to life, what a, what a life lived well looks like, what gives direction for us and helps us know what to do, all of that is found in Jesus Christ. Order, significance, meaning, direction, it all comes in Jesus Christ. And it comes in Jesus Christ, the, the one who has existed even before time began. Even before time began, Jesus was. And that alone is reason for hope. Even before any of this stuff we deal with was here, Jesus was here. He always has been and he always will be. Which gives us hope in the midst of the things of life that come our way. You know, John goes on to tell us that, that it is in Christ we, we find the source of life and light. Life and light, meaning wholeness come from Him. John's careful to point out, though, that, that while Christ is light, there is still darkness in the world. There is still darkness in this world. Just because Jesus has come, the darkness isn't fully gone yet. But John also tells us that the darkness cannot overcome the light. You know, we, we live in a world today in which there's still a lot of darkness. But that darkness is finite. The darkness in the world does not have the final say. Jesus Christ is the one who has the final say. And we can trust in that and we can have confidence in that even in the midst of, of difficult times. And this is the, the gift of Emmanuel, God who is with us. And John the Baptist was one who, who came to point people towards this so that people could see, hey, listen, for all the ways you've tried to live your life, for all the ways you've tried to find meaning or significance or hope, all of those things, the place where you find that, you find that in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And John was sharing this message, and, and there were some who heard this who just wrote it off. And there were others who heard this and who believed, and those who believed became children of God. They, they experienced this in its fullness. And, and then there's this line in these verses we read that, that Jesus came and dwelt among us. In, in the message, Eugene Peterson says that, that, he, that, that Jesus came and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> that through Christ, God has made his dwelling with his people. God has loved us so much that he hasn't just left us here on, his own, on our own. But he's come to be with us, to dwell in us, to live in us, to give us meaning and hope. You know, but, but the fact that, that God has come to dwell with us in Jesus Christ also means that, that you and I have to choose how to respond. There's a choice that we have to make in this. When I was, uh, when I was pastoring my first church in, in Wisconsin, there was, a, there was a young couple there, and uh, pretty, pretty early after I'd been there, the husband made a comment one time. He, he, said, he said, you know, I, I was married on... June 13th, 2001, it was the best day of my life. And every day since then has been a tie for the worst day of my life. I wasn't married at the time, but I was pretty sure that probably wasn't the best way to talk about your marriage. But you know, he, he, was, kind of a, he was kind of a funny guy and his wife tolerated him even for comments like that. You know, he, was, he, he said that and, and over the years as a pastor, I, I, I've encountered a lot of people 
who, 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 who long for a wedding day, but who realize that a wedding day and a marriage are not the same thing. You know, on a wedding day, you gather with loved ones. On a wedding day, you gather in a pretty place. And there's a lot of ceremony and there's a lot of significant things. But the wedding day is just one day in a marriage. You know, part of the problem, I suppose, is that when we see these stories or these movies that end with happily ever after, they usually end there at the altar. And it doesn't move after that. It doesn't move on with the rest of that story. The reality, though, is that the vows that we make in front of a congregation have to be lived out for the rest of one's lifetime. When a couple stands in front of others and they make their vows to, to love and to honor, those are vows that are lived out every day thereafter. When you're tired, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, Marriage is lived out for the rest of one's life. That's how you live into these vows. It's not enough to stand in front of a group of people and make these vows. To really do that means living it out day in and day out. And that's hard work, isn't it? If you're married, you, you know that that's hard work. You know, I, I've probably shared this with you before, but, but, but I remember when just before I got married, my, my grandfather said to me, he said, you know, Mark, your, your grandmother and I have been married, I don't remember what it was, 57 years now. He said, I keep learning new things about your grandma every day. And it's hard work, but it's good. You know, that's what it is when, when we think of marriage. And the fact that, that we have a Savior who has come into this world, the incarnation is how we refer to that sometimes. It means that we have to respond. We have to choose how we're going to respond to the fact that, that Christ has come to dwell in us and to live with us. We are called to, to place our, our trust in Him, to, to live in Him, but, but, but to place our trust in Jesus Christ is more than just saying words. It, it's resulted in the way in which we live out our lives. We're called to, to live out our lives in, in faithful obedience. You see, the incarnation not only shows us the nature of who God is, but, but it also shows us who we are as people and the kinds of lives that, that we were invited to live into. We're called to, to live in such a way that, that the love of Christ is made known in our lives and made known through our lives. Are you with me on this? You know, John's Gospel talks about the light coming into the darkness. I've been reminded of the fact that, that the church is not called to live in a dark world. The church is called to be the light to a dark world, right? And light and darkness are two different things. The church is called to live in such a way in the world where, where the world can see Christ through us. So that the world, too, can come to know and follow Jesus Christ. We are called as people who've experienced Christ in our lives, who've, who've come to know and experience the grace of God and be transformed by that. We are called to live in such a way that that, that is, is manifest through our lives into the lives of those around us. And so, for example, in a, in a world that is polarized, in a world where it's either this or that, 
What does it mean to be people who treat others with grace and respect? In a world in which people often only think of themselves, in a world that says, you know what, nobody else is going to look after you, so look out for yourself. In a world that structures itself that way, what does it mean to, to love others, to think of others, and not only ourselves? You know, in a, in a, in a culture that's consumeristic, that says, what can I have? What can I get? How can I have more things? What does it take for us to be a people who live generously because God has been so generous with us? You understand where I'm going here? You know, the incarnation of Jesus Christ helps us see God in ways we never could. We know God through Jesus. But the incarnation of Jesus Christ isn't just about the fact that Jesus Christ came to this world 2,000 years ago and went back to heaven and someday he's coming back again. Yes, that is a big part of it. But the incarnation also tells us that that those who believe, that those who come to Christ through faith, that Christ dwells in us, that Christ lives in us. And because Christ is the source of light and the source of life, when we allow Christ to dwell and have reign in our lives, the light and life of Christ can flow through us to those around us. And when that happens, the world can see the light of Jesus Christ. You know, in just a few days, we're going to transition from the Christmas season to the season of Epiphany. From this reminder that, that God has come into a world and that the light is shining through Christ, to the reminder that the light of Christ has come into the world to be made known in all the world. And we're invited to be a part of that, to be a part of what God is doing in this world. My prayer for you and me is that that we would allow the light of Christ to shine brightly through our lives for the world to see. Amen? I want to invite you to, to join me in prayer this morning. And as we pray, I just ask you just to take a moment to, to think about some of the people in your life, especially some of the people in your life who maybe know darkness more than they know light people who have yet to come to see and know Jesus Christ. What is it that they need to see in Jesus Christ? And how can God use you to help them see that? Let's pray together today. Lord, today as we, we gather, we are so grateful that you sent your son. We are so grateful that we do not live in this life alone, but that, that through Christ in us, we can experience the light and life that comes into this broken world. And Lord, we pray too that, that you would help us to live faithfully, to live in such a way that, that your grace would be made known through us to those around us. God, for some of us who are gathered together this morning, we think of our, our children, or we think of our neighbors, or our friends. And Lord, we pray that, 
that you would help us live in, in such a way that they would see you in us. Lord, you came into the world and we have seen the light. And we pray that others too would come to know the light. Lord, as we go into this year ahead, 2021, Lord, we pray that the light of Jesus Christ would shine brightly in the world, that people would come to know and experience the saving grace through Jesus Christ. So Lord, we go from this place today as your faithful servants, Lord, and we just offer ourselves to you so that your will can be accomplished through us. In your name we pray, amen. You know, as I was thinking of this today, I was, I was reminded of, of a passage in the Old Testament where Moses would go and spend time on the mountain of God. And when Moses would come down from being in the presence of God, his face would radiate with the glory of God. So much so that he even had to put a veil over his face. In the verses of, of John, it said that those who've seen the light in Christ know the glory of God. And so as we go from this place today, as those who have seen the light, who have experienced the glory of God, may our lives radiate that glory to the world around us. Amen? Would you go in his grace and peace today?